How's everybody doing today? Good. Oh, that was weak. That was weak. How's everybody doing today? Good. Good to see you guys. Welcome. Thank you for joining us online. I'm glad to be here with you all. Um, before we get started, I would like to address the, the elephant in the room. So here it comes. This is just Dumbo, all right? Nothing crazy. This is Avery's. It's one of her favorite stuffies that... Every one of her stuffies is one of her favorite stuffies, all right? Let's get that. But let's just the elephant in the room, get it out of the way. This is just Dumbo. Everybody good? Okay, now the other elephant. Yes, um, everyone was asking coming in today, like, so, oh my gosh, what did you do to your arm? The, the short answer is I have no idea what I did to my arm. I know that uh, this week it started getting swollen and tender to the touch, and so I, they, I went to the doctor. They gave me an antibiotic on Wednesday. Um, I, there's some cool Sharpie lines where I was drawing, like, oh, it's red here. Now it's red there. Now it's red there. And by Saturday, it was still getting worse and more swollen. So I went to the doctor. They gave me some stuff, and now it's still swollen but not red, so it's working. And I'm going back today. That's why it's all still hooked up. So I don't know what happened. Um, Stephanie beats me sometimes, and this could just be one of the things that, no. So I honestly don't know, but praise God for doctors. Praise God for medicine and their, how he works through them. And um, I'm glad that um, we have physicians that know what they're doing. Now, what's also interesting is how God works out things. Now, something that I love, when, when people come up to me and they say, you know, hey, pastor, you, you talked about this today, and I feel like, feel like you were talking directly to me. When, when I hear that, that, that encourages me because I know that, that is God, God is working through me and he's, he's talking to you guys and that's, I see God's hand on so many things and that is so encouraging. What I don't like is when God likes to use me as an example for what I'm going to talk about. And what's funny is today, I, I've had this talk lined out for a while now. I said, let's talk about God, how he heals people. And then this happens. And I was like, okay, God, I didn't want you to use me, right? This is, this is a, let me, let me talk about somebody else. But, but I have some stories to tell now about God and how he works through and heals. And I know that this, this can be a, a touchy subject for some, um, because a lot of us have dealt with a lot of loss and pain and things and in our lives, right? I know that um, when we've come up here to Washington, even just the past couple of years, we, we've had a handful of uh, memorial services here at this church. Some, some we knew were coming. Some of them were, were shocking phone calls that we got. Um, some we found, I remember one family found out on a Sunday morning, hey, did you know that they passed away from COVID two days ago? And it was it, shocking things happen. And, and we, we all believe in this God and we, we trust in this God who we see miraculous things happen. We see healing happen in scripture. And that can lead to a lot of questions today, right? Like, how do we not see these things today? How does, how, how does this work? How does healing in scripture work? How does healing today work? And it can bring up some either fun memories where you say, I've seen God do these things. Or maybe some painful memories where you say, why didn't God do these things? And so we're going to talk about that today. And, and even if you, I, I don't want anyone to think, you know, well, this maybe doesn't apply to me today. Because I know that at some point, this will apply to everybody. At some point, we'll go through something where, where we face this issue, where, where we want healing to happen. We want God to step in. And I, and I, I always want to make sure that as, I, as I'm bringing the word, I give some good biblical balanced teaching. And I look at some, some areas in our life where maybe we have things that we, we need a little more balance on or insight on. I don't want our thoughts to get abused. I don't want us to, to have doubts or, or cause further uh, conflict or inflict further pain on people and what they're going through. I want us to understand, what does God say about it? I want to give a word on healing, but I also want us to know that God has the final word. He always has the final word on all these things. So let's, let's hear what he has to say about it. Now, now, people have gotten sick a lot in recent times and passed away, and I want to be really sensitive, sensitive to those people as well. 
And on the same time, we've seen people, and I've seen people that have been prayed for, that have been healed miraculously, and you can point to it and go, that was God. There's no other explanation God stepped in. And I want to praise and, and celebrate that, but also be sensitive to the people who say, that didn't happen for me and my family as well. So as we dive into this, I hope you, you hear my heart behind it, and, um, and we know that, that God is sovereign. Amen? Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you so much that, that you are in charge, that, that, that we are not, that you are God, that you are sovereign and in control. And I pray that as we, as we unpack your word today and dive in, that we, we understand how you work, we get a little bit, a better glimpse of why you do what you do, and how we are all a part of, of your beautiful, wonderful process here on earth, God. And I pray that you are exalted, you are loved, and you are seen, and we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so... A question we can ask sometimes when it comes to healing and it doesn't happen the way you want, sometimes we can ask, what did I do wrong? We can say, did I pray wrong? Did I ask for the wrong thing? Was my faith not strong enough? We can have all these doubts come in. And, um, and I want to address those a little bit today. Now, I've shared before about my family and I've had three siblings pass away in my lifetime, two when I was in elementary school and one just a little over a year ago. But my, the, my two brothers passed away. I was in the, my first one passed away when I was in the fourth grade. He was two years old. Now, now back when he was alive, um, my, my parents did a lot of praying. There was, there was a lot of praying happening. From, his name was Casey. A lot of praying for my brother Casey. And sometimes, and I know that when I was a kid, there was a big movement on TV that some of us may, may have seen. There were, I'm not going to name names, but there were TV televangelists that would do healing crusades, and they would have big parties, you know, and bring your stick here. We're going to heal everybody. And my mom and dad took my brother to this. They, they said, you know, this, this was one of those things like, you know, hey, we're praying, church is praying. We have the ability to go see this person and go to a, a large faith healing. Let's go. And they took my brother to this thing and they went early to get in line to be prayed for. And I know that when they went in, the evangelist saw the condition. They, they actually met this guy. He came and he saw, he said, hey, tell me about your son. And my parents did. And he goes, oh, and immediately went to the next person. And then that person had an injury. And it, it almost, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say it was or wasn't, but what it seemed like at the time was, oh, well, well, this person has something that can be televised and seen, so let's go this way instead. And I remember my parents, it left a, a bitter taste in their mouth when it came to faith healing, if that, if that makes sense. And I know that's not the case for everyone, but, but, but it seemed to them like, all right, there's something, what does scripture say about faith healing? Because for us now, it feels a little awkward and feels weird that this guy who was promoting healing, and I am a faith healer, didn't even pray, just walked along. I've also heard stories about faith healers in Bible college, and I'll keep them nameless too, but I know a pastor shared once that, that he was in Bible college and, and someone came and spoke about faith healing, having the gift of healing, and just name it and proclaim it, and if you say it, they will be healed. That was kind of the message. So he, he gave some points and principles and prayed for some people. And then the next day, this pastor went to class, and he was sitting in the back row, and he said he was a little skeptical. And there was a student in his class who had a speech impediment. Well, another student who was just at this faith healing stood up and proclaimed, in Jesus' name, your speech, your speech is healed, you're fine. But the healing didn't happen. And so there was this awkward silence. So the, the guy had trouble getting through his speech, and he actually lost it and didn't know what to do. On the flip side, I have seen people healed. Do I believe in faith? Now, I'm not trying to say this to say faith does not happen. If someone were to say, Dustin, do you believe that faith can heal people? Yes. Yes, I do. We see it in scripture. 
We see Jesus do it. We see his disciples do it. I have seen people get healed. Do I, now, do I personally believe that any one person has the gift to walk around and heal every single person they pray for? That's where I get kind of like, oh, I don't know. Am I saying God doesn't work through people? No, not at all. I just don't know if I believe in one person having all of that ability. If someone had that ability, I would say, man, go work at the hospital. You go to Kaiser right now and just stand at the entryway, and Kaiser may not be happy because now they're not getting paid. But at the same time, you are just, that is, pray for everyone walking in the door because you have got it, right? What I am 100% convinced on, though, is God is a healer. God is the ultimate healer. He is good. But I just think he doesn't work in the way that we think he works in today, how we may see on TV or movies or even in our own perceptions sometimes. But I, I don't see in Scripture one person healing, but I do see God healing. Now, I see that people can operate. People do have the gift of prayer, and I do see God working through people all the time. And healing can happen. I do, I do believe this. I believe anybody in here with the power of prayer and the Holy Spirit has the ability to pray for someone and see them healed. I do believe anybody can do that, but I don't believe it's because of you. I believe it's God working through you. I believe it's the Spirit of God working through your hands, the Spirit of God working through your heart, and ultimately it will be for his glory. Not so any one person can say, I heal people, but ultimately so we can say, he did the healing. He did something so good, and we get to acknowledge him for it. Other than Jesus, I don't see people, every time they pray for someone to be healed, get healed. And that's because Jesus was the embodiment of God. So that's just a flyby of what I see in the essence of Scripture. But we're going to look at some healing today. And what I want to look at, I want to look at a few passages. Isaiah 53, we're going to start there. Isaiah 53, 1 through 5. And if you want a dog ear, Matthew chapter 8, and then 1 Peter 2. But Isaiah 53, Matthew 8, 1 Peter 2. So starting in verse 1 of Isaiah 53, it says this. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Matthew 8, 14 to 17 says this. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. He drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill the spo what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. And then lastly, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 21, it says this. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you as an example, uh, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who just, judges justly. He, bore our, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. Now, there's a reason I read these scriptures. So a lot of times when people say, 
like, yes, let's just pray and you will be healed. These are some go-to scriptures where people will say, where we will see how God heals. And I'm not going to discredit this. I believe every word, of the, every word in the Bible is the word of God and is true, and God does heal. But what I don't want us to do is take things out of context and say, just because we're praying in Jesus' name, it will be done the way we see it will be done, the way we want it to be done, right? God is bigger than that. His thoughts are bigger than our thoughts, and he works in different ways. And I, and I want us to understand this. There's a difference between the healing of our spiritual life and the healing of our physical life. And I think in the eyes of God, one far outweighs the other. One far outweighs the other. Remember, Jesus did not come to make all of us happy. I wish that was the case. But he did not come to make all of us happy, but he did come to make us holy. Jesus didn't come to heal just our temporal bodies first. He came first and foremost to heal our eternal broken soul. His mission in life was not just to come and heal diseases and illness. He said, I'm coming to bridge a gap so you can be with the Father. So your sin can be removed. So there, there'd be no more gap between you and God. We, he is restoring that gap. He stood in the place of our sin. And that is the first and foremost reason he came, to bridge the, device that, the divide that sin had caused. And I think it's important that we don't put God in a healing box. We don't say this is how he does it. This is the formula for it. Because I think then that loses, focuses on our, loses our focus on what he really came to do. A relationship with you. A restoring life with you through him. From, from the beginning of time, that the fall of man and death and disease, that's always been a part of our life, right? We can't get away from those things. No one is immune. No one's exempt from those things. But I do want to look at the ways we see in Scripture how we see healing play out. So as we go through these times in life where whether we need it or someone else needs it, we can say, this is how God can work. I don't know how he'll do it, but these are the ways we see God working. The first one, the one, the one that we all desire in times like this, I know the one that I desired the minute this happened to my elbow, immediate healing. Raise your hand if you just need some immediate healing, right? That's just... We want that so many times in life. Something happens. I mean, I know I pray that for my kids when something happens and one of my kids is hurt. I'm like, God, take this off of them right now. And we want immediate healing. And this can happen. This does happen. It happened in scripture. This happens today. We see it all the time in gospels. Jesus touched a life. He spoke a word. He said, do this. Sometimes he didn't touch. He just said, stand up. And there was immediate miraculous healing. Is that always the norm? No, no, it's not always the norm, but it does happen. Some believe it should be the norm, but remember, like gravity, something's got to fall. Something's got to give at times. Sin and the fall mean death and disease. This is a part of life. It's not always going to be immediate the way we want it. Now, I remember when I was younger, <coughs> my older brother, Josh, he, uh, I don't know if I've shared the story or not, but we were outside playing and we're goofing off. We're all, you know, elementary school age boys. He rolled down the hill of our house, fell off his bike, did something. He got up, his arm was broken. It was, it was not a compound fracture. Like, we couldn't see the bone out of the skin, but we, we saw the break. It, it was a break. No, and, of course, all of us, rub some dirt on it, get some leaves. You know, we're like, like you'll be okay. Don't tell mom and dad. How are you going to avoid that? Like, his arm is busted. It, it was going directions it shouldn't have gone. So we run in the house, you know, mom, dad, we're okay. We were not okay, you know, because that's the first thing parents believe when you say that. But I remember going in the house, my brother is crying, we're all frantically, we're crying, and I remember my dad grabbing my brother and saying, Josh, Josh, it's okay, it's okay, calm down, and you know, it's broken, it's broken, we're screaming, it's broken, right after we said it's fine, right, it's broken. My dad holds my brother and just puts his arms on him, he says, just breathe, breathe, and my dad just starts to pray for my brother. 
he's praying for him. He's quiet, and we're all just quiet, and we're still crying, and there's you know, tears. My dad's praying. When he moved his hand off my brother's arm, it was fine. To this day, it is one of the most miraculous healings I've ever seen personally. It was phenomenal. And we were just like, what? And my dad was not surprised. He didn't go like, are you serious, God? You did it. It wasn't that. He just, he just, he was, he was, son, you're fine. You're fine. And my brother was fine. No swollenness. He was good. It was so cool to see. And I remember my dad was just praying, Jesus, be with my son. Help him with his pain. Take this away. And God did a miracle. Now, years later, I would break my arm, and my dad said, get in the car, let's go to the hospital. I was like, what? (laughs) And that's a true story that I'll tell in another day. But I've experienced, I've seen miraculous healings. It is so cool when you see God do something that is, you can't explain it other than God did that. But it's, what's hard to see is in, in the Gospels when you see this is the norm. In, in the Gospels, you, you feel like when you read this, it's happening to everyone, everywhere. This is just what God does all the time. And I do believe that there are times where God intervenes and you see it and you experience it, but I think it's good for us to know this is not the norm for every day, all day, everywhere. The Gospels, remember, the Gospels cover three years. Three years of thousands of years of history. So in those three years, we see a lot of that happening because that's what Jesus was focusing on in these three years. But what's also cool is when you see Jesus doing this, it's not just immediate healing. We see him doing it other ways as well. We see immediate healing, but we also see a process of healing. Now, in a process of healing, of course, if it's not immediate, it's going to take some time, right? Time goes on. Things eventually get better. But we see God do this, and he heals health, and it becomes a progressive event in people's lives. In Mark chapter 8, we see a blind man. He can't see. So we see a blind man. That was a poor choice of words. But there's a blind man. Jesus comes to him, and Jesus spits in the dirt. Jesus makes some mud, puts it on the guy's eyes. He says, what do you see? And the man still can't see quite yet. He says, I see people. They look like trees. So Jesus does it again. He prays again, and then the man is healed. Now, this is Jesus, the, the creator of all, right? Could Jesus have just said, open your eyes, you're fine? Yes. I mean, we, we did see in Scripture, Jesus tells someone, pick up your mat and walk, and the guy did. So why, why this? Why would Jesus spit in the dirt and rub it on his eyes and then do it again for him to see? Like, it, it seems kind of like, Jesus, what, this is redundant. You didn't have to do that twice. I personally believe God did this to show us if it doesn't happen the first time, that does not mean stop. For us, if, if we pray for something and we say, all right, God, I need, I need this to happen. This is a healing I'm praying for. It doesn't mean it's a one and done thing. Jesus did it twice, and I truly believe he did that to show us sometimes you just got to keep going. Keep going. Watch God work through the process. Watch him work, and don't lose faith in it. Let, him, let you see how he's progressively working in your life. Sometimes there is a process. It may not happen right away. That's not an invitation to stop. It's an invitation to keep going. Keep on going. Sometimes many of us will stop. That we'll be disappointed or disillusioned to, to what is not happening. And we can forget that God is a God of process a lot of times. A lot of times, if you look at maybe when you're praying for not just healing, but you want something to happen in your life, it doesn't happen right away. It happens years later, but then you can look back and say, wow, look at all those steps that happened to get me here. We see God's process. I think the same thing is true with our physical bodies and so many things. We can see, man, God did a process to get me here, and now I can see how he healed me. 
And something I, I mentioned a little earlier, but something I am so thankful for, and we'll see this in Scripture too, God uses doctors in healing. God uses doctors, and I am so thankful for the nurse and the doctors that looked at my elbow because WebMD said I was going to have to amputate, and it was, was not a good diagnosis. But the doctors, you know, they, I was so thankful to have the ones that I did that gave me what they did that is better. Like I said, yesterday it was, all, it was more swollen. It was all red going down my arm. It was getting worse and worse every day. A trip to the doctor, they gave me some magic juice, and it's, they're doing good. I'm so thankful that God uses doctors. I think God has gifted doctors and medical people who have honed their skills for, for helping people in the healing process. And medicine is an incredible gift, I believe. An incredible gift that God works through. But, but sometimes, and I've talked to people who believe this, sometimes people can get into this thought of, well, I prayed I don't need a doctor. I prayed about it. God will just take care of this. I don't need to go see a professional. And I just want to say, you know, I don't believe that. I believe God works through people in so many ways, and I think it's very small of us to think God isn't working through doctors today. I think sometimes we think praying will, will just show us true faith. I'm just going to show that I have incredible faith and not go to the doctor. Or somewhat, it's kind of like a hyper-faith thing. If I do go, then I'm not trusting God, so I need to make sure that I'm just trusting him. But, but I think we, we see in Scripture, one of Jesus' disciples, you know what his profession was? Luke was a doctor. God had a doctor write one of the Gospels, and I don't think that's an accident. God uses a doctor to show his word. I think that was here to really validate the work of the medical field throughout culture then and now. If we have health issues, if we need surgery, we see a doctor, we see a surgeon, right? We get information, we can ask questions, we get referrals and second opinions, and we can have trust in the great physician as we see him working through physicians in our life. I think God works in so many ways. And again, with the, with the spitting story, I believe there was actually some medical stuff that Jesus was showing here too. In Hebrew culture and much of the ancient world in this time, spit was thought to contain medicinal value. That was a common thing when it came to healing in medicine was to apply spit. So in applying spit to the man's eyes, I do believe it was Jesus saying, guys, look, I'm going to use a common form of medicine and healing belief to show how Jesus, how I will work through this. It was not to discredit the field to say, you don't need to see a doctor, just see me. It was to reinforce, this is something we're doing. Watch how I will work through this as well. We can trust doctors working. It's like he was giving his approval of the medical thought of the given day. Have you ever had a, a cut or an open wound and, and you bleed, but then as you're, you're bandaging it, you put a bandaid, you see the blood coagulate and start to do what it's supposed to do and, and stop bleeding? It, it's a marvel what God has done for our bodies to be able to see them heal. At other times, I, I've, had a, I've, had, I've had broken bones. I've had <laughs> currently an infection. Uh, I, I shared a couple weeks ago, I battled a kidney stone recently. Like I've had some things happen, and I can tell you, I marvel at the power of prayer. I know there are people praying for me, and I know in those circumstances that prayer works, but I also know that in some of those circumstances, it wasn't necessarily prayer that healed my infection. It was the medicine the doctors used, but I'm not discrediting God working through those doctors to apply it. I'm saying they work hand in hand. God will use what's around you. God will use his people and his places to do his purposes all the time. We can never discredit what God is doing. I can never forget that God is the ultimate healer, the ultimate physician, and he can utilize prayer, he can use medicine, he can use, utilize the natural body, he can utilize the process for his glory, any combo of the three at any time. 
The last one is often hard to talk about, but it's, we see it in Scripture, and a lot. Of this is often something we've seen, and we've even dealt with with some of church family here today as we see ultimate healing. We see ultimate healing. Revelation 21, 3 to 4 says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. <clears throat> they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This one is hard to talk about because I think, you know, when I talk about ultimate healing, we all know someone who has received that. I know that um, Lisa Hansler, you know, Pastor Chris's wife, they pastored this church for a number of years. She received ultimate healing, even though we were praying for immediate healing. We were praying for the process of healing. We were praying for the doctor's healing. She received ultimate healing. And it's not what we were praying for, but that's what God did. No one enjoys this thought, right? No, no, one, no one looks ahead except for Paul in Scripture and says, if I die, this is going to be a wonderful moment. We don't, we don't naturally think that. It's hard to talk about because we, when we think of our mortality, it's, it's eye-opening, right? The, the date where our ultimate healing will come. We, we mourn when this happens. We grieve when this happens. And that, those are good things. It is healthy to grieve. It's healthy to mourn. God has a very different perspective on it while, while we're grieving. Did you know? So Psalms 116, this is a verse that has helped me so much in times when people have passed away. Psalms 116 verse 15 says this, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. For us, it's hard but I can imagine the, the celebration that happens in heaven when, when Jesus and the saints, and they're like, they're home. They're here. They're healed. And it's something that we have to kind of wrestle with here on earth, right? I know a, a man of God who was extremely special to me, Pastor Mel Warford, my grandpa. He was just a, a pillar of faith for me. He pastored Creekside where I worked for many, many years. Um, when he retired, and pastors never retire, he moved, and then he started working at another church, and just his life was ministry. And I remember um, when I became a pastor, he told me you know, how proud he was of, of me, not following his footsteps, but following the call God has put on my life. And I, I got to do a wedding with him next to me, and we got to officiate a ceremony together. It was just, I loved, I called him Papa. I loved my Papa. Now, many years ago, he slipped and hit his head. And at his age, he had a good recovery, but it ultimately led to what he died from. He died, they said it was natural causes old age, but the, the head injury sped up what had, what had happened. His health declined rapidly. He had a brain bleed that had to have operations and worked on. Now, I know that when that happened, we prayed for healing. We prayed, God, put your hand on my papa's head. Take away the pain. Make him healed in a whole. And although he did recover well and he was doing good things, he ultimately got to a point where they, he, when his health was declining, they said this is all stemming from the brain injury. And it was hard to see him go through that. It was hard to see his health decline. But I remember I was actually, it sounds weird, I, I had the privilege of being by his side when he passed. And I remember in those moments, our prayers weren't just for physical healing. Our prayers were for that ultimate healing. We were saying, God, this man is, this man is old. This man has served you his whole life. This man has led people to you. He's ready to go home. He is ready to be home. And I, man, he, he loved to sing and play the piano. And I bet when he got up there, God was like, here it is. <laughs> here it is, Papa. Let's, let's sing. Let's go. 
Psalms 31, 14 and 15 says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand when this ultimate healing thing happens. That, that's God saying, it's time. It's time. God's time and our time don't always match up. They don't always match up. We, we, we would like things to always be on our time, but they're not. But when, when God is done, when God says it's finished, he is God and it's finished. Whether that's two years like my brother or 22, 52, 72, 92, 192 if you make it that long. The key is no matter what the time you have is given, that we trust God has given us that time. And we're living in that time. Some things that we need to remember when, when sickness comes knocking and ailments happen, remember this, we can all contend in prayer and believe in faith. Contend in prayer and believe in faith. James 5, 14 and 15 says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to go pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Um, I, I love going to people's houses and praying for them. I've seen some people get, get better right away. I've seen some people go through a different one of these processes, but, but I love being able to go and pray for people. And I believe that all of us, we have this duty to pray fervently for what God is doing. To pray for healing, to pray for healing and health. I, I've had the privilege of walking through that journey of sickness with people, a number of people over the years. And I think the, the language that we use and the focus through is, is we, say, we say fight this, contend aggressively, we pray, we believe for healing. And I think that's what we're called to do. Regardless of how God decides to operate, we are called to have faith that his will is going to be done that we will see what he's going to do through the process. And I am a firm believer in, until God says it's over, I'm going to pray, believe, and fight every step of the way. I'm going to do it. I've had a person come to me knowing that he was going to pass away. But you know what he said? He said, I will fight this fight until my last breath, but I think it's going to be time soon. He, started, he asked me to start planning his memorial service, a celebration of life. It was a weird conversation. Having someone say, here's what I want to happen at my memorial service. It's like, but you're still here. This is weird. But he said, no, well, we're going to plan for it. And if, if it happens, this is what I want. If I get healed, put a comma there. We'll address it again later. Right? So and he, he didn't have a, a lack of faith at all. But he had, he had this reality of this is what God's doing. This is the way I'm going. This is where I think it's going. And I'm going to trust God either way. And the more I look back on that conversation, and he did ultimately go to be with Jesus, I look back at that beautiful time and conversation we had of, man, I hope one day if I'm looking down, knowing this is the date that things are going to happen, that I have the faith that this man had. He knew where he was going, but he did not discredit. But God can change his mind, and I'm ready to stay too. He was ready for either thing. Scripture notes a couple places where Jesus is amazed. In Mark 6, it says he was amazed at their unbelief that they couldn't do miracles. And in Luke 7, he says he was amazed at their belief and people were healed. So I think the things that amaze God are when we don't have faith and the things that amaze him are when we show extreme faith. Our faith is tied into what God is, how, how God is looking at these things. And man, I want to be on that side that says, man, Dustin, I am amazed at your faith in me. I'm amazed at what you do. And I want that to be what fuels. I want that to be what pours out, not just for me, but for this church. That we have faith that is just pouring out where God says, I'm amazed at what those people are believing. And whether he does it the way we want it to or not, we're still trusting him the entire time. We contend in prayer and we believe in faith. And second, know this, God is sovereign. Know that God is sovereign. The bottom line, he's in charge over everything. We are not in charge. God can't be controlled. He can't be manipulated. He can't be made to do our bidding, right? 
If we listen too much to people, I think, that, that proclaim to, if you just say this, then God will, we start putting God in this box of, well, God will because I'm doing this, instead of, God, your will be done, and I will follow you no matter what. We can't control, manipulate God. Scripture does note in a few places where, where faith played a critical part in your healing. We see Jesus tell people, get up, your faith has healed you. So our faith has a part to play, but that doesn't mean our faith manipulates or di dictates what God will do. God is sovereign. God is not genie. God does not live in Aladdin's lamp. We don't get to rub it and say, I wish, and God says, you got it. Two more times only, though, that's it. God doesn't work that way. We can't manipulate him in doing it. And we, we see this throughout Scripture. We see Jesus heal people, but did you know that we see Jesus also not heal people in Scripture? We see him choose amongst the crowds who he's going to heal, and we see him not heal everyone. And so the, the sarcastic part of my mind goes, who would, how would you like to be that person who was in line one day, and Jesus says, I'm done for the day, and then he's on the next city the next day? You're like, but I was next, right? I was, I was there. <clears throat> in John chapter 5, we see the pool of Bethesda. <clears throat> we see Jesus go over to one person. He says, I can't, I can't get healed. I can't find anyone to carry me over there. And Jesus says, get up and walk. To get to that man, Jesus had to step over other people. He had to have seen other people around. He didn't heal those people. He healed that man. Why? All I can say is God determined in that moment that was the person that was going to be used to see God's glory. That doesn't mean Jesus will. That doesn't mean he loves anybody less. It just means God had a purpose, and it was for that man's story to be told so his faith, his story could be shared, and people could believe in the goodness of God and the miracle of God. doesn't mean everyone's going to receive that healing, but he did, and that's why God is sovereign. God is in charge of these things. I, I'm neither fatalistic or faithless, and I, I've seen people pass away from disease. I've seen people healed. Scripture says in Job chapter 5, verse 7, Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Stuff happens. Life happens. Jesus said adversity will come into this world, and to think we can depend on slick methods of faith sometimes to believe, uh, is, is to believe something the whole word of God doesn't teach. We've got to trust that God is in charge, that we are not. I know that um, on that, that same line of healing, I've known people that, that have got diagnosed with cancer and have, and have gone through the journey and the fight and seen the roller coaster, and ultimately they were ultimately healed and they're with Jesus. At the same time, my uncle was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It was stage four, and they told me he only had months to live over 10 years ago. And he's cancer-free today. It's one of those things where I don't know why God healed this person, but God didn't heal this person. I don't know. But I do know I will celebrate the fact that this person is ultimately dancing with Jesus right now. And this person who got ultimate healed still has to deal with the government and taxes and things and all this stuff. You know, you receive different healing, but now he's got other problems, right? But he's still here, and we praise God that he's still here. And I praise God that I remember getting that phone call that, you know, hey, he went into the doctor and first treatment, received his last treatment. They said, we're going to do a check. And the doctor said, we can't explain it, but it is gone. It didn't just shrink and slow down the way we thought. It is gone. And all we could say was, we know why. And that's a miracle, and that's really, really cool. God is sovereign. The flip side to that, know that you are not. I am not. We are not. Sometimes we, we can try to speak Christianese and we speak for God when, when we really have no place to speak for God in these moments. And it, I think it's, it's critical to not attempt to package people's pain when we don't know what pain is taking place. And, and I, I want... I, 
hear my heart when I say these things because I've said some of these things to people. I know maybe some of us have said these things and I know they come from a good place. These sayings will come from a good place where we want to see good things for people, but sometimes we don't understand if they're going through something, how, how these phrases can come across and I don't think they come across the way we intend them to. I've heard it said, God must have needed that person in heaven. When we say this though, I think this can feel kind of empty and it's not much solace when you say, well, I wanted them here. Right? Why, why, why did God want them? Is God selfish? It, it can come across the wrong way. What kind, of God, what kind of loving God would take this person from me? Or someone that has lost a child, um, sometimes will have a tendency of someone to say, it's okay, God will give you another child. This, this can come across as insensitive. Like I said, I know these are coming from a place of wanting to comfort, but when we say these things sometimes, it's like we're speaking for God and it can come across as insensitive. Didn't want another child, I wanted this child. I know people had said that to my parents when my brother Casey died. God will give you another child. Well, God did, but then their next child passed away as well. And so it just came across as a, I don't want to hear God will give me another child. I wanted that child. It can be insensitive. Sometimes people will say, time will heal all wounds. can honestly say, time doesn't heal all wounds. Time shows us how to cope with those wounds, but time doesn't always heal all wounds. Or this one, don't say this one, don't say this one. God must be trying to teach you something. I've said that before. I regret ever saying it. That can come across as patronizing or arrogant. It's just, just we, and like I said, I know that when we're saying these things, we're trying to find words to comfort, but sometimes we need to understand that, that no, we are not sovereign. We don't know the, why God does what he does. And we, I want us to understand that we can give comfort. We can give, help give peace to people. And we have the right intentions to say the right things. But all too often, it can come across as insensitive. Sometimes we just need to say nothing. Sometimes the ministry of just being there is such a strong statement. There's a book called Out of, Out of Solitude. And the, the author writes this. When we honestly ask ourselves which persons in our lives mean the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving much advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen to rather share our pain and touch our wounds with a gentle and tender hand. Sometimes when we want to comfort someone who needs healing, we can go and we can pray and we can just, just be there. That is sometimes people just need you to be present and don't say a word. Hard for me to do that, personally. It is hard to not talk. Grace also leads us to rest, not wrestle. Grace will lead us to rest, not wrestle. There's painful moments and puzzling circumstances, and and I think we need to come to Jesus, the author of our faith, with our questions, with with our wonderings, knowing that that he isn't the one who designs pain and executes disaster, but he is not indifferent to the dilemma. He is there through it all. He said in Matthew 11, 28, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is not an appeal to escape, not an appeal to just sit back and say, do nothing about it, but a call to, to live with realism towards life circumstances, knowing we're all going to go through things. We're all going to go through times where we hurt, we're in pain, we're wondering what's going on. So for me, it's not a massive thing, but this week I was wondering what is going on? Why are the, pain, why are the meds not working? We, we wonder, but ultimately we see God covers things. He covers in his rule, his way, and his time. And I, I want to close with, with a flyby of things here. This list is going to be long. Um, if, you, if I'm saying them too fast for you to write them all down, just pull out your phone and take a picture of the, the slide when they're all done. But, but I think we have lessons we can learn. Um, in Job chapter 2, we see a man who probably had the worst day in history. Lost his kids, lost his stuff, lost everything. 
and, and we see his friends come to him. And we're not going to get too much into the really bad advice they gave him throughout the book. But I do want to focus on what did they do initially because I think they did some phenomenal things that we can all learn from. When someone is hurting and someone is in need of healing, what can we do? How can we be a part of this? How can we, how can we usher in the presence of God and the love of Jesus as someone is going through a need of healing in their life? The first thing, we can hear. Hear the hurting. Job's friends, they heard about all the troubles that came upon him, and the first thing they did is they went to hear and see what was going on. They didn't stay distant. They were very active, and let's go find out what's going on. When you hear when another person is in pain, listen to them. Ask them what's going on. Let them, let them use their voice. Second, sacrifice your schedule. Carve some time out of, of your life. I know that we're busy, but the next thing we see them do is they set out from their homes. They left their stuff behind to go say, what's happening to my friend? How can I be there for my friend? Don't wait until it's convenient. Convenient times never happen, right? Sacrifice some of your schedule. Go be with someone when they need some healing. Partner with people. Catch what happens next. They met in agreement with each other. It's always a good idea. Take someone with you. There's strength in numbers. There's power in prayer. Go and be with a group of people when you see someone's in need. Go with grace. Their goal was to go and sympathize with him. The, the word here in Hebrew was nud, which means to rock back and forth. When, when people go through tremendous pain, you know what we do? We, we rock back and forth. We, we, we move. So, you know, that's why the, the people will say, you need to sit still because we move back and forth all the time. What they did, they went and rocked back and forth. They joined themselves with his pain. They went with grace to be a part of what he was going through. Come with comfort. There's a similar idea that comes along with the idea of coming. You're going to come and bring peace and comfort to people. Know that when you go see someone who needs healing, expect a change in their appearance. When people grieve, when people are going through something, they, they often look different. Maybe it's their physical appearance. Maybe it's a, you can see something spiritual about them. Maybe it's just a demeanor or attitude they have. But expect a change in how they appear. We see this in verse 12, actually, in Job 2. It says, they saw him from a distance. They could hardly recognize him. Don't be afraid to exhibit your emotions. This can be harder for some people, but don't be afraid to exhibit your emotions. When they saw Job in distress, you know what they did? They cried for their friend. They, they, they joined in his sorrow. Don't be afraid to express your emotions. Romans 12, 15 says, mourn with those who mourn. One author writes, we can forget with those whom we have laughed, but we can never forget with those whom we have cried. Respond with rituals. Now, I don't mean do something totally off the wall and weird. But I do, it does say that after weeping aloud, they, they tore their robes. This was a cultural way for them in, in biblical times of demonstrating they were, they were torn up inside. They were grieving and broken with you. In, in Joel 2, uh, 13, it says, Rend your heart and not your garments. Now, I'm not sure what that looks like today, but it probably means doing something. If you're going to respond with a ritual, if you can do something or something, bring them a meal. Clean up something in their house. Do, do something physical for somebody. You say, hey, you're hurting. You need this. How can I help you right now? What can I take off of your shoulders? Honor people with humility. In, in that culture, pouring dust on your head was a sign of humility. And it says, and they sprinkled dust on their heads in Job. This carries with it the idea of looking for ways to enter into someone's pain. How can you partner with them in what they're going through? Sit with the sufferer. Physically sit down with them. The first part of verse 13 says they sat on the ground with him. It's important, I think, to understand when someone's hurting, we may not feel what they're feeling until we get on their level. We try to understand. And even if we've never gone through it, we may not fully understand. But get to know people's pain. There, there's a chaplain that 
that I've, I've heard of that um, a pastor at Creekside has shared with me that he actually knew a chaplain who would lay down next to a person who was dying because they said they were cold and he would just lay with them and say, you're not alone, you're not laying here by yourself, I'm here with you. Take the time that's needed. These three friends, when they were with Job, they were with him for a long time. They were in no hurry to leave. They were there for seven days and seven nights. Now, for some of you, you'd say, please, no, seven minutes is fine, then leave me alone. But all that to say, Job wanted them there, and they were prepared to stay. This, this is called the, the sitting Shiva, which means sitting sevens. It's become a part of Jewish life. This means don't overstay your welcome, but it's important to spend time with someone. They're hurting. Don't just walk up and be like, check the box. Saw you. You're good. I'm on my way. Spend time with them. Spend time and let them know you care. And lastly, be silent in the face of suffering. Sometimes the best response we can have is to just sit there and just be there, but not necessarily say anything, just be there. If someone you show up cares about and doesn't say a word, sometimes it's the best thing ever. I'd like to invite the, the worship team up as we come to a close this morning. That silence thing, like I said, is hard for me, but my, um, I remember just three or four years ago, my sister called me, and this may seem not like a big deal. For some, it's a big deal. For some, you'd say, maybe not, can't relate to it, but her dog died suddenly. I remember getting a call afternoon, and it's this dog was a big part of their family. His name was Rowdy, and he was a rowdy dog. But I remember her calling me one day saying, Dustin, can you come over? I went downstairs. Our dog is just dead. So I went over there, and I remember going in, and, and the dog was just laying on the ground and seeing my sister sitting against the wall just broken. I had no words. And I, on the car ride over, I was trying to prepare myself. What am I going to say? What am I going to say to my sister? Um, I know Rowdy was my, not my dog, so I'm not going to feel for this as much as she does, but, but when I saw her broken, I just sat on the ground next to her, just put my arm around her, and just started crying with her. She told me a couple years later, just in conversation, she said, that meant so much more to me than anyone saying anything in the moment that you would just sit next to me, quiet, and just cry with me. Now, it wasn't necessarily silent, I was crying, but, but the point was, sometimes, just be with people. God's going to do his process in so many ways. It could be immediate, could be, could be a process, it could be through doctors, it could be emotional, but we have a part to play in all of it, I believe, and we have a part to play in seeing how God's work is going to be done. A caregiver would say the, those guidelines this way, all those things. He would say, show up and shut up. Just show up and shut up sometimes. Don't stay away, when, and when you come, silence may be better than speech. If you can't visit, do a phone call, an email, a text, a social media message, a card, a handwritten card. I, I think we've, we've often lost the, the art of knowing how meaningful a handwritten note can be. But when we honestly ask ourselves what person, what person in our lives mean the most to us, we often find that it is those, instead of giving too much advice, solutions, or cures, those who've just chosen to share our pain and sit with us. Would you all stand with me? We, we may have some insight, and I know we don't have all the answers, but I do know and I believe wholeheartedly God is a healer. Jehovah Rapha says God is our healer. We can trust him, we can believe him, we can rely on him and know that in these moments, whatever you're going through, whatever kind of healing you need, God is the healer. Pray, believe, know that he's in charge, we are not, and we will see his glory done no matter what when we have faith in him to do it. Amen? Amen. God, I thank you so much that, that you are our healer and you love us so much. God, I ask if there's anybody in here right now with a physical ailment, God, I, I pray for healing. 
God, I pray healing for, for whatever disease they may be battling, whatever cancer they may be going through, God, whatever is ailing their bodies. Maybe it's an emotional healing, a psychological something going on. God, I pray in Jesus' name that your hand covers it. God, ultimately, I pray for healing for our lives, our spirits, our hearts, and that we're able to give you the glory for it all. God, you are the God who heals, and we love you so much for that. We thank you, love you, and everybody said amen.